0: Front Porch Radio presents Circle Unbroken with Taft Airs.
1: I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day When I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my money
2: It is a great day to be alive. I am Taft Ayers here on Circle Unbroken, and I'm joined in by my friend, my brother, the producer, Coach Mike. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic as normal. I like it. I like it, man. I I want more people uh, to be fantastic. I want more people to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a fantastic breakfast. I'm going to have a fantastic day. I'm going to be a fantastic coworker. I appreciate you bringing that fantastic energy, coach. If I keep saying it. I'm going to believe it one of these days too. <laughs> we're going to we're going to speak it into existence. Fantastic. <laughs> That's right. I hope that the people that are listening today um do do feel that energy. We want to bring an energy here on this show uh bring that to our people. We think it's important. And we want everybody listening to know too that it's not fake that there is an energy in this room when we get going. And, uh, we hope, we just hope that it transfers, you know, I want people to feel it. Yeah.
3: I have a lot of fun doing this with you and and I hope that transfers over. You know, we, again, we tease each other an awful lot, but at the same time, uh, I I think there's a, there's an importance to what we do. And, and I love that. And I, and I, I, I said, I love the energy that you bring into this, uh, into this little studio as we get started.
2: I want to tell people something. Uh, caught myself mid mid coffee there. I want to apologize. But this morning, uh, got up. My son had a math test that he needed to go and dominate. And he told me. He said, "Dad, I'm gonna man up." He said, "I'm gonna approach this one the way I approach sports." And it made me laugh because he's always been, you know, an A student, done well, whatever. And but he's never really given it as much as he needs to give it when it comes to academics. They've just kind of rolled. And he realized that this test was going to be hard. And so we, we get them all into it, man. I get them fired up. I'm like, we're going to get to school early. You're going to go meet with this coach who's also an algebra teacher. Like, you're just going to go and attack it. I was proud of him. I was I was feeling energetic. I was feeling fantastic. I, I got down here. I got into our offices early. And coach met me at the door. And he said, are you sick? What are you? <laughs> What are, you, what are you doing here so early? And I was like, Coach, man, I, I was inspired by a 14-year-old to man up and to get in here when the eggs are cooking. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's going to be a fantastic day. That's great. I do. He told me that he was going to man up. And it was funny when he said that because it made me think about what, what I was talking about already today anyway is the concept of being a man. I have at my house lots of people. Uh, Lots of people live underneath our roof, but I have, as a part of that whole crew, tribe, uh, gang, (laughs) I have three sons uh, in that mix. And I've got three sons, all different ages, all different personalities, and every day, Coach, I am trying to raise men. And I've got some little adages, some things that I tell them all the time, uh, about being a man. And I, I want to share some of those in our first session here this morning. One of the things that I always tell them is being a man is not having control over others, but having control over yourself. And, and I'll tell them that because they're always going to have these these outside forces. And, and the reason that we're doing a whole show today on being a man is because the art of manliness Uh, The concept of our manhood is, there's no other way to put it. It's under attack. There are men that are having to apologize for being men. And I, I just want everybody to know this. If somebody is confused with their identity, if somebody is ashamed or embarrassed of their identity and they wish that it was something else, I want them to know this. The creator of heaven and earth Loves you, cares about you through any confusion, through any way that you're wondering. I do not attempt to sit over here and say, because I am confident, because I have sons, because I believe that being a man is under attack. I don't want people that are confused or people that are unhappy with, with their gender to feel like, A, they are not loved, but B, I also don't feel a need to apologize for being a dude. I, I think being a man is powerful. Uh, I think I think being a man. I, I don't walk around every day apologizing for being white, right? I don't walk around every day apologizing for for being financially successful. You know, I, I don't apologize every day for having a home, like the things other people don't have. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be mindful of other people's situations and things that they have or, or that they struggle with. Cause I got a whole other boatload of struggles when it comes with those things. But the idea of being a man is something that I think needs to be preserved. I think it's something that is holy cause God did it. And then I look at it and I say, it's a, it's a key foundation to our society. And when we talk about circle unbroken, broken, I want men in churches from the faith piece. I want men in the marketplace that are saying, hey, I'm here. I am, I am a protector. I am a provider. Um, I, I am a procreator. Like, like all the different things that make a man, I want those to be in, in the marketplace. And in our communities, man, I want I love calling you coach. I've never played for you, but I know you're a coach. I have kids that are gonna see me at restaurants. And I say, hey, what's up? So, so? hey, what's up, coach? Because I had them when they were six. You know, like I, I love that concept. Uh, I love deacons, elders, fill in the blank for different titles. Sorry, folks, for men with th- that are appropriate titles that are leadership, servitude in all different places that make up our communities. And I think we should celebrate it. I, I love celebrating women, especially my woman right I love celebrating birthday anniversary, Mother's Day. I love celebrating all different types of people and I love have I, I, I'm a high eye on the disc profile mm-hmm. I'm a seven on the Enneagram I love any reason to celebrate if you said Teff we got new coffee cups we should have a party I would say yes you know <laughs> any reason to do it right but I'm not I'm not gonna shy away from celebrating. Manliness. And I think one of the things that that we have to do when it comes to being a man is we need to start with this quote that I give my kids all the time. It's defining it. It's defining what a man is because, like I said, being a man is not, this is a quote we used earlier, is not having control over others, but having control over yourself. And I want to talk about that, Coach, for a minute because so many times somebody who's a man can give being a man, a bad name. What they can do is they can be abusive to other dudes. They can be nasty to girls. They can, do, they can turn anything into a competition. And don't get me wrong. I, I like to play and compete and all that stuff. But it's those individuals, those guys, that turn everything into that. And they treat people bad. And you know what they say afterwards? Sorry, man, I'm just an alpha like I'm, I'm just an alpha, and it's like, dude, you're a jerk. Like,
3: oh, if they actually check that term, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alphas aren't abusers,
2: right? No, they're not. No, uh,
3: you know, they're they're supposed to be leaders. They're supposed to be outgoing leaders. A a true leader keeps the needs of those he leads in right. mind, right? Even though he is, yes, he's an aggressive person. He steps out, and, and uh, you know, he. he, he in a sense, pushes his way to the front. Sure, but to sure. be the alpha, he also has to keep the subordinates, quote unquote, right. and I use those in air quotes, uh, in mind. Sure, and sure. and meet their needs; otherwise, they
2: won't follow. It's 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 in a term that, as you said, that people have abused. they have, like you said, they haven't checked it. They haven't used it. They use it almost as a way to excuse behavior. And thinking that that being a man means I just I just control people like like I'm sorry I'm not like I said earlier I'm not gonna apologize for being a man I'm not but I'm gonna apologize for being a jerk I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize for when I do something that's wrong There's never a good reason to act like a jerk There's always a good reason to act like a man I mean always uh, people need them Our society is built on it. But it leads to this question, okay? If we say being a man is having control over yourself than having control over others, there's times when, to use your vernacular coach, there's times that you need to check that. I mean, you need to check that and say, what, well, what am I trying to control as a dude? The question, what is a man? What is the meaning of man? That, that can be a tricky question. I want to admit that because being a man does mean different things to so many different people. But one thing is for sure that I think that we'll all agree, being a man is not always a walk in the park. It is not something where you say, this is so easy. Now, women will say, are you giving birth? I don't want to hear about it, right? But being a man is not easy because you wear the weight of so many people. You're not in control of all these people. You're trying to be in control of yourself, but you do wear the weight of those people. I've heard a quote before uh, talking about men, and it says there are all these people that you are not responsible for, but you're responsible to. Like, you're responsible to those people, and it can be tough. Coach, did you know this? That on average, 12 men a day take their own lives.
3: I've heard that statistic before, and as a high school teacher, uh, we we you know we went through in service every year mm-hmm. about uh, teenage suicide, right? And by far the majority. Now it's it's starting to even out, and that's the scary thing. Sometimes right. I know starting to even out as far as the numbers, but by far the majority was was young men, and right. uh, um, you know it, it's there. It, it's a tough role.
2: Right. It's a, it's a sure tough is. role.
3: Um it has its it has its rewards. Right. <laughs> it also has its obstacles. Yeah. And uh but yeah, that 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 suicide rate does not surprise me in the least. Uh like I said, it's starting to even out and that's worrisome.
2: Right. Right.
3: But it's still still skewed well, I, heavily towards males.
2: I hate it because if you if I look at my day, I'm I'm up and at um, like 6 o'clock is our go time. Um, certain members of our family are up. Some of us are up earlier. But 6 o'clock is when we know we've got to be clicking for everything to work. And so you go throughout that day and you start at 6 a.m. and you just put 12 hours on top of it. That's that's going to be our day, basically. The hardest things that happen in our day usually happen from 6 a.m. and then put 12 hours on top of that. Now, there's things that happen before, things that happen after, but that's that's like the meat of our day. And if I think about that, starting in the morning, 6 a.m., stack 12 hours on top of that, and think about the average day that I go through or that you go through, and that on the clock, every hour, a man takes his life. Like if I, if I think about it that way, A, it makes for a horrible day. B, it makes you think about the fact that that is, it's it's twelve too many, and, and this is my plea to men that are out there right now. Uh, we had an episode yesterday from one of my buddies who just got real and just got honest and and was just saying, "Hey, you can be down in the depths for things that have happened to you or things that you've done to yourself, and no matter what." We we said this quote yesterday. If you're not dead, it's not too late. I want to have this plea to men that hey, it, one death, one death of a man who said I can't keep going, or they'd be better off without me, or I've hurt too many people. One death. Please hear this. One death is too many. Thirty-one percent. I'm giving you real stats. 31% of men said that they would be too embarrassed to seek help for a mental problem. They'd they just be too embarrassed. Now I'm a big believer. I am a big believer in going and, and fixing everything that I can fix. Okay. Like, and what I mean by this is I don't, I don't say close all the therapist offices. I don't say that. Uh, I don't say that there is not a reason to go and see a doctor. Um, I know that being a male is complex and it's important for us to highlight the issues and the challenges that so many men face, especially things that start when you're a young man and and you don't address them or give them some attention. Okay, so I I am a big personal believer of I'm going to fix everything I can fix. But I'm also a big believer of talk to somebody like like get. Get some help. There's a commercial out right now with a guy who's bench pressing. Have you seen it? He's he's bench pressing. It's it's like collapsing yeah. on his chest, and he's like, "I'm fine." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's telling him he's fine, and he's got it.
3: Yeah, and, and, and some and his spotter says, "Can I help you? Can I help you? No, I've got this. I've yes. got this." Yes, and he's like, "Well, I, I looks like you need some. You don't understand my situation. Correct. Yeah, correct. It, it's yeah, it, it's and it's. I, I think it is for suicide prevention, right." Uh, Right, is a commercial for it that. Is. It is, um, but uh, you know, for the longest, you know, the st- the the male stereotype is that help, and, and sp- particularly in receiving help, help is a c- curse word.
2: Oh, sure. sure, and
3: it should not be.
2: Right, right.
3: Uh, you know, we talked about you know, I've I talked about true intelligence is knowing what I don't know, mm. Mm. and. Right. You know, I I don't know everything. I sh- and, and and the smarter I get, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. Right. Okay. As a man, I need to understand that as well. Uh yes, we're we're taught our society, especially here in America, to be self sufficient, pull up you know, pull up your bootstraps oh, yeah. and get after it. Yep. And stuff like that. Getting help is not a sign of weakness.
2: It's not, Coach. It
3: is a sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And in a sign that says the needs of those I care for is more important than my ego. Sure.
2: Sure. Yep. It's it's something that we have to table. And if I'm going to look at somebody and say that I care about them, if I'm going to look at somebody and tell them that they matter to me, and I want to get extra deep here. Uh, guys, I'm 43 years old. Young Buck.
0: Yeah, just get
2: started, (laughs) Coach. And I have in my life, I, I was trying to figure it out the other day through just the years of ministry. I wanted to figure out how many funerals I've preached at 43, okay? I know nobody who's listening to this knows my ministry background, but I went through everyone I could remember. Now, this is through youth ministry. This is through working with the church in a full-time role. Uh, and then ever since leaving full-time church work, never leaving ministry. I don't, I don't believe that we ever leave ministry. If you're alive, you're a minister. Uh, but I have done 37 funerals that, that I can remember, okay? This is why I want people to know three of those 37 funerals have been suicide, have been male. In those funerals, I meet with the family beforehand. I preach the funeral. They are hands down, I want every man to hear this, they are hands down the worst funerals because nobody at that funeral is saying I hate him so much. Nobody at that funeral is saying, I'm so glad he did this. We're better off without him. Every single time the people are saying, wish I knew, wish I could have helped, wish I could do more. And so here's what I want you to know. Being a man is hard. It is heavy. There are things that that feel sometimes like they're insurmountable and suffocating. But there are other men that are standing by ready. I promise you this. Ready to give you life. Ready to breathe life into you. And when we come back, we're going to lighten this up a little bit. Please. (laughs) But here's what I want you to know. The struggle is real. Let's not pretend. Let's not hide it. But then let's say this being a dude is fun. And there is a life worth living. We're going to talk about that more when we come back here on Circle Unbroken. Welcome back. This is Taft Ayers on Circle Unbroken, joined back in by my man, Hot Mike. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Still, (laughs) he is holding the line back with us. We are talking today about, unapologetically, as we said earlier, uh, we're talking about the art of being a man, the responsibility of being a man living in a world today. Uh, I shared with coach that I was speaking somewhere recently and the short version of it is I made a point in the lesson as I was talking at a Christian institution. That's all you're going to get. As I was talking at this Christian institution, I said, girls, if you are with a guy and he messes up, guess what? That's going to happen. And he messes up. And he comes back to you and tells you that he's changed. Listen up. He doesn't have to tell you that he's changed. Just if he comes back, let him be changed. Like, if he has changed, he doesn't have to say it. You will see it. And that's like a free-of-charge statement. I mean, it's what I want my daughters to hear. It's what I want my sons to know. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And, Coach, I thought it was great. And I was approached afterwards by an individual who said to me that that phrase and that usage of that illustration was, this is what they said, archaic. And I said, what's what's archaic about saying don't talk about change, just show fruit that you've changed? And they said the implication that somebody in a relationship has to be male and female. In a romantic relationship, you're implying that girls, listen, if a guy. I said, yeah, sorry. I'm here at a Christian institution implying that guys and girls are in relationships. And I said, sorry, not sorry. I'm trying to tell you stuff about dudes, right? Do I understand that our world is rampant with homosexuality? Yes, I understand that. I know that. Do I understand that there are people that have gender identification issues. Yes. Yes. Am I trying to be a jerk though, by making a comment about men and women in relationships, male and female? No, especially at a Christian place. And so coach that, that got me triggered. It got me, you got me fired up because of things that I don't want to be a, I don't ever want to have my head in the sand, but B I don't want to walk around apologizing because somebody else has a new idea. Uh, that's, that's steeped in sin that's wrong and I don't want to be somebody that says well you know what I guess I should just I should just table my masculinity I, I should just you know put it away do I think that there's toxic masculinity do I think there's men that run over weaker people I do and do I think that's wrong I do do I think that a man can be somebody of compassion and conviction 100 percent. And so I hope people see where I'm coming from today. And I want to ask you this, Coach. You don't have to tell me how old you are now, but how old were you when you got hitched? 21. Okay. Coach was 21. I was 23. Okay? Coach, I met my wife, who became my girlfriend, when we were 13. And so I had like this decade of dating. And what I mean by that is... Hey, mom, dad, will you take me to Force Gump? Like, I'm going to go to the movies. Um, I, I even taught my wife when we first started, uh, quote unquote dating that we would get our parents to drop us off. I would never do this now. Drop us off at the Walgreens next to the movie theater so that I could go and buy our snacks and put them in my pants and walk in there and uh save some money and get and get more snacks right but i started that was just free also but i just started <laughs> there when we were 13 i've known her forever okay and i've tried to grow into a man tried to grow into a man so you were 21 i was 23 and i've got a quote here from a man who was interviewed recently who is 22 years old. Didn't even know that the math was going to work. I didn't know the answer when you said it. And so it works out. I figured we were both around the same age. Didn't know that the quote from this guy is smack in the the middle middle of our uh, start of our voyage. Right. But here's what he says. This is a man who is interviewed about being a male, being a man. Here's what he says. Being a man is difficult. Being male can be a matter of fact. But being a man feels more like a matter of opinion. This is a 22-year-old, folks. And here's what he says. Last sentence. A lot of what relates to being a man can be both... Now, this is funny because I used this word earlier. Can be both suffocating and unattainable. Now, this is a 22-year-old male who's being honest. He's saying... A lot of what relates to being a man can be both suffocating and unattainable. I, well, he's talking the way a 22-year-old would when a 22-year-old talks and says this, Hey, I want, I want to be a guy. I want to be a male. I want to live up to a standard of it. But it, but it feels hard, and it also feels like it almost takes life out of me, right? I mean, well, how do you feel when you hear those statements?
3: Well, number one, being twenty-two years old, he was a lot more perceptive than I was. Right, Uh, right. But uh, yeah, it's I've heard it on a different. You know, being being a male is a matter of science. Sure, being a man is a matter of decision.
2: Yes, yes.
3: And uh, you know, that's uh, that's never changed. Mm. You know, yes, I I am a I am a man of faith and, and. you know, when I, when I look at the story of creation, you know, he, he created us as two specific different genders with different roles within creation. Right. And so, um, you know, the master plan is way above my head, way above my approval. Sure. So, you know, uh, that's, you know that to me, that's that's that's, a, that's a, just a matter of accepting the circumstances that we're in. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a heavy that's a heavy statement. Uh, though I disagree with him about it being unattainable. Right. I disagree right. with him a lot
2: about sure. that. Sure. Sure. And, and I think it can be. I think it can be a feeling. It can feel unattainable. The, the same way being. Financially secure can feel unattainable. It's not impossible. The same way being physically fit can feel unattainable. Mmm, uh, donuts uh, can, can can feel unattainable, but it's not impossible. And all these things. Uh, I want to welcome in a special guest who I just asked to come in and join our show here. Uh, if you are familiar with our whole programming at Front Porch Radio, you've heard Clayton Harris on all different topics, and I have brought him in cold here. He does not know what we're talking about right now, and I want to put him on the spot. Clayton, we are talking today about being a man, and we're talking about the fact that it is under attack in our society. Correct. And I am not going to apologize for being a dude. I have for our society, can't tell us what a man is. Correct. That's what we've been talking about. And so I have some stuff we've been talking about that's serious. And the serious parts that Coach and I have talked about today are this. Every day, 12 men take their lives. And so you start your average day, you go 12 hours, that's one per hour. Also, 31% of men have said that they're too embarrassed to ask for help. And I did some stats with Coach. I've, I've preached 37 funerals in my life. Three of them were suicide, and all three of the suicide were men. So that's, that's real talk, yeah. that, that, that that is a struggle for people. It's nearly
0: and, 10% of your funerals. Yes,
2: yeah. and I'm, I'm done acting like, hey, people are going to suffer, and people are going to have to apologize for their masculinity. I'm done thinking that it is unattainable. Uh, I am done thinking that we have to suffocate, but because we're dudes in this culture. And this whole topic was triggered because my son was on the way to school and he said, I'm going to approach my test today. I had to get him there early. He said, I'm going to approach my test today the way I approach my sports. I'm going to man up. And I loved it. Uh, I loved him saying that. Then I went and spoke at another Christian school. And I went and spoke at this Christian school and made a comment about men and women in relationships and had somebody come up to me afterwards and say they did not like me saying that men and women were the only ones that were in romantic relationships. And I went, what? Like, I am not, I'm not going to apologize for that implication.
0: That's what society's got to realize. You cannot be afraid to be called a name. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something a toddler does when, when a, or a little kid, when, when they're upset about something, they're going to, they're going to call you a name. They're going to point at you and they're going to say you're this or you're that. Um, You got to ignore it. You just got to, you got to live in reality. You got to live in reality, not be afraid to be called a name and you got to be yourself. And yeah, I mean, I think our society has uh, really put down the fact uh, that they've tried to basically erase masculinity among men and boys. Uh, I was showing you the other day a poster from 1943, a little league poster, mm-hmm. or maybe you were showing. Uh, it, was it was great. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it, it was. It was. A, it was a a poster begging parents to sign their sons mm-hmm. up to play little league mm-hmm. and it shows a, a, a soldier throwing a grenade and below it it says why do you throw like a girl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. you know it, it is what it is we're born different we're made different uh you know that, that's that's an undisputable fact uh so yeah I, I see what
2: you're saying we need more um the other day i'm speaking i'm out of state i hold a door For somebody that was walking in, okay? That's why, that's what I was raised to do is to hold a door. The female said to me as I opened the door, Think I can't get it myself? And I'm like, ma'am, this is how I was raised. I'm gonna open this for you. Does it make me a phenomenal person? No. What a miserable person to say something. Correct. Like, Like, just walk through. I I would, if one of you guys held the door for me, I would walk through. Right. I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's called decency. Right. Uh, dogs, <laughs> dogs sniff each other when they pass. Like it's it's showing, hey, I, I know that you're here. I respect the fact that you're here. And I think for being a man, there's ways that we can do this to where we say I have a responsibility to society. I have an opportunity to bless other people by being a dude. But I want to have some fun with this next statement. OK. And this is why I wanted to call you in here the first statement I share with coach and our audience today is something that I tell my boys all the time. And I always say this being a man is not having control over others, but having control over yourself. That's, that's a deep, serious statement, but there's another quote I use with my kids that I want to share with you as a coach and as a sports junkie. And I want to have some fun with this. I have three sons and I want to, I think y'all are going to like this. I, my goal is to raise sons that don't always call for the pass interference flag. I, we, we have so many boys that if you're watching a game right now and the minute they don't catch the ball, what do they do? They start throwing their hand up for that. I want to raise boys and and I, and I don't get it right all the time, but I want to raise boys into men that aren't always looking for the flag.
0: You know what I'm saying? Does that resonate with you? Yeah, like when you drop a fly ball and then you you know you miss it and then you just start staring at your glove, like <laughs> like, the, like the glove is what dropped the ball. Yes. I mean, give me a break.
2: Yes, yeah. Own we, it. We see it. Own it. And I I get on to them about it when they when they do this and they complain and all that and and they've started to change a little. Yeah. And then the other day I said to my wife, I said, I said, why do they do that? Like, like, what's the reason for that? And my wife, coach, she checked me. And she said, have they heard it from somebody else? And so I think trying to raise these boys into men on this, they've got to see a man who owns
0: it. That's why I don't let my kids watch the NBA. Mm. I
2: mean,
0: if you want them to play basketball the right way, don't let them watch the NBA. Right. You're talking about flipping and flopping yeah, and crying. Mm-hmm. Literally on your knees crying. That's what you're going to get.
2: We're, we're watching a game the other night, and I was telling my son about, you see what LeBron James is doing right now? In these two possessions, he did what Michael Jordan used to do all the time. It was this tenacity of, i got go to go the hole. I'm not going to be stopped, head down, let's go, take over.
0: Were they in the lead or were they trailing? And, and he
2: said, oh, they were in the lead.
0: Of course, because when they're trailing, he's going to drive and kick. He's well, not going to take it to the rim.
2: Then on cue, do you know what happens? He gets a hand brushed across his face. Oh, gosh. And he lays on the ground. Call the paramedics. For almost a minute. Oh, sure. And he goes, my son looks at me and goes, Jordan didn't do that. No. And I'm like, no. that's that's right, my friend. And so I think there's a masculinity, A, that we don't need to apologize for.
0: Absolutely not.
2: But, B, I think we'll spend less time having to apologize if we spend more time modeling.
0: Correct. You, you allow what you allow. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, you know, same way with my kids. Whatever I allow my kids to get away with, that's what they're going to do. And, um, yeah, I mean— Believe me, I got one. I got a couple. I mean, they're both, they can both be pouty at times. Sure. But uh, it, it, I tend to try to correct that.
2: Right. I'm glad you came in. Uh, when we come back on our next segment of Circle Unbroken, we're going to finish up with some real examples of where you can look and you can say, this is where I need a man. In my life, please don't hear that as a dating app, but I need a man to carry the water, to do this, to fix a situation, and I think it's something that makes a great society. When we come back on Circle Unbroken. We are back here on Circle Unbroken. I'm your host, Taft Ayers, and I'm joined back by my good buddy, my producer friend, Open Mike. What's up, sir? Uh, I don't know what's up, but I'm here, and let's go. I'm ready to roll. He said, let's rock. We are we are manning up today. You ready? We are manning up here on this Wednesday as you find our show. Uh, I want to finish today's Episode segment sermon. Uh, I want today to finish it because we're talking about the unapologetic idea that God made men and women. Okay, uh, Adam and Eve. We're 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 all created. We all have opinions. We all have outside forces. That happened in our lives. But being a man uh, is something that I believe is an art. But that can also be considered a lost art. Uh, That there are men that are not being men anymore. That are apologizing for it in the society that we look at. And I don't think that this is something that if you are a man and if you are confident, that it means an automatic negative thing for other people. Uh, Two quotes that that we shared with you today is, number one, uh, something I tell my kids all the time, being a man is not having control over others, but having control over yourself. And then our last segment, we had a little bit of fun with Clayton and Coach talking about, I want to raise boys that aren't always looking for the pass interference flag. Um If you're a football fan uh, on any level, you will see a guy go to catch a ball. And if he does not catch it, it doesn't matter if it was quote-unquote catchable or not. If they don't catch it, they automatically start looking for the flag. Um, and sometimes they're interfered with. Some Sometimes the defender is draped all over them in a way that's illegal. But don't look for it. Like, let let them call it. If they call it, let's rock. Yeah,
3: I was telling you during the break uh, as as a coach, uh, and I've done this both in and well. I didn't it's kind of hard to do it in baseball, but it, it can be pulled off. But in football, especially, uh, we'd be doing drills. Uh, we would be you know sp- practicing our mm-hmm. team offense and, and especially our two minute drill. And occasionally, I I'd just I'd, I'd signal a flag that got thrown, mm-hmm. and I would point one to one of the players that you you held or you did this, and whether they did or not didn't matter. Right. I I, I was teaching a reaction. Yes. And they were, you know, of course, usually the the high school kid would turn around, I didn't do that. And I said, now you just got a 15 yard penalty. Right. Now now you've gone from 10 yard penalties to 25 yards in penalties. And I said, and guess what you've just done to our team?
2: Mm. Mm. Just
3: because you reacted to a bad call. Right. I said, the best thing you can do in this circumstance, you don't have to like it, you don't have to quote unquote accept it. But you got to keep your mouth shut and move yep. on. Yep. And and the key was move on, right? Uh, and you know, people are gonna let you down. Of course. Uh, you know, referees make mistakes. That, that, that was the whole point. Referees make mistakes. We can't let that stop our rally. We can't let that stop our drill, uh, and our efforts to win this ball game and stuff like that. But then to go on into life, uh, you know, your boss is gonna screw up. You're gonna get blamed for things you didn't do. Right. Uh, do you quit your job right there? You know, you got a, you got a family, you know, you know, you if, if, at the very least you got rent to pay and bills to pay.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So when things don't go your way or when things go against you and whether you deserved it or not, what do you do? Right. How do you react to that? And, and I think that's a lot of where you're going with your, yes. with your message and, and, and stuff. Again, I, I come back to, you know, being a male is a matter of science. Right. Being a man is a decision.
2: Yes. Yeah. And,
3: and I keep coming back to that. I, uh, you know, I, I've done that with my students. Um. And, and I've changed. You know, again, I can change. You know, being a ball player, being a right. coach, you know, being you know, even you know, with my colleagues, being a teacher. <laughs> is, right. Right. Is a is a decision. Um. And and you'll know, make the right decisions. Sure, do the things the right way because it's
2: the right way to do it. You can substitute that, like you said, you can substitute it with any, anything that matters, like anything that matters. Uh, teacher, player, man, husband, believer, you know, anything that matters uh, that you you decide to do that. I've like I said, with my kids, we're having the three boys and a daughter, um, when I meet a young man that I think is it. I mean, that I think he's got it going on. I automatically think to myself, how can I evaluate this guy and get my boys to grow up and be like him? And then how can I start praying right now that my daughter would meet somebody like him? And then I saw so I made a little list here and it's a list of the things and the ways that people like that. And I want you guys to see I'm not afraid of words that, that maybe are different. People don't use. How can that be attractive to me? Whoa. Did you just say how can a how can another dude be attractive to you? Yes. How, what are some things that men possess that are attractive to me as another man where I say I want my boys to be like that? Or I want my daughter to meet somebody like that. And I'm going to rip through them here. I made this list. It's a fun list. I've been triggered lately. And uh, the first one is integrity. Moral integrity. Here's what I want all the women to know and the men to hear. Moral integrity is, I'm going to drop it like it's hot, is incredibly sexy to a woman. I'm going to say it again. Moral integrity is Hot. Number two, sensitivity. Let's be honest. Once upon a time in the not-so-distant past, sensitivity was seen as a weakness, particularly within a dude. Men were made to feel like you're supposed to have this hard shell. Sensitivity from a man incorporates so many elements is what I want people to hear. Okay, And when you look at that, when it comes to being sensitive, it means that you can be a dude but also be tender gentle and connected and that will strengthen any home
3: there's an old there's an old term for that and it's this one it may be archaic i don't know it shouldn't be but it's called the word called meek Mm. m-e-e-k yep and one of the best pictures i ever saw of meekness was this big burly farmer I mean massive biceps and massive forearms, and you know just big you know he throws around hay bales he throws around farm equipment and stuff like that, but he's holding a little chick in mm. his hand without crushing it mm. 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 you know there there's you know the control yeah the control of his strength, the control of of of, of his circum of himself
2: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and you know the sensitivity you know there there's that control that uh the recognition of care, right. of gentleness right. in embodied in this massive strength, you know, yeah. this massive body of
2: strength. My grandfather uh, owned a farm right next to the church building, refused to be baptized and refused to obey until he was 44 years old. Fought it, fought it, fought it, fought it. I picture doing that in my life and not obeying until next year blows my mind, right? But he did it, and when he finally did it, I mean, it was weeping. It was a big moment for our family. And never taught a Bible class, but always had stuff to say from that point forward. And he was in a Bible class one time, and they were talking about being meek and what it means to be meek. And he goes, well, I know that they're—this is my grandfather's voice. I know that they're going to inherit the earth. And everybody kind of looked and knew that he knew his Bible. And then he said this, but here's what being a a meek fella means today. I got the power to, but I ain't going to. And that's the exact same thing. Yeah. As what I'll never forget. It. I got the power to, but I ain't gonna. And it was that idea of, of what it means to be meek, and that that's manliness. Knowing that, because also here is another news flash, guys. Every girl wants to be with a dude who could, but he won't. They they want to know that he could do such and such to so and so if need be. But he ain't going to like, you know, what I'm saying now. Now, there's a whole other subject in when the rubber meets the road. But what I'm talking about is just having that whole thing of control, having that whole thing of uh, I've, I've got this, you know, restrained power. There's there's another twist to this, guys. I want you to hear this. The world needs men with a sense of humor. The world needs men with a sense of humor. Hear this. Not every male has to totally crack us up. Okay, you're not all Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Jeff Foxworthy, Tim Allen. Fill fill in the blank with funny dudes. Okay, but having a sense of humor is also about bringing a lighthearted energy,
3: and having have a sense of humor about yourself. Oh yeah, you do. You know, you're gonna do stuff that is funny. Yes, embarrassing, possibly, but it's going to be funny. Be, yes. be able to laugh at yourself. Yes,
2: yes, yes. When you when and when you teach that, when you model it, you'll see it trickle down. Right. So, coach my my third. Let me get it right. My third child. Yep, I got. I got. Get all my numbers right. Third child. Uh, second son in pecking order. Uh, his name is Coleman. And Coleman is a trip. He came up and shook your hand yesterday, was talking to you. <laughs> Coleman's funny. Now, of my four kids, Coleman is my industrial one. He knows how things work, wants to figure them out. Um, we've now started letting my oldest son drive when we hit the driveway. We have two cattle gaps. And so the minute we get the mail, he says, can I drive? Well, I have a very long driveway, and it's a straight shot. And so we, we let him. He's 14, jump in there, do it. Last night, we are coming home from practice, and it was just Coleman and myself, eight years old. And he says, Dad, can I drive? I said, no, buddy, come see me later. And he understood. And here's what he said, but you know I do it better than them, Right. And I said, I know you would. Of all my kids, he's the one I could put in a car right now. He goes, I'm just not tall enough. I go, right? Yeah, he could handle the machine. Of, of all the kids. And so recently, I am to talk about being able to laugh at yourself. I am putting together something, and it was a it was an electric fire pit that we had outside. And I was putting it together, and I got to the last part where I needed a in the push button where it goes. Tick, tick, And that push button, I need to put a battery in, and I couldn't get it. My fingers were too big. I didn't have the right things to get it back in there. And he's the one that watches you do everything. Like if you fix something, he's going to be at your knees. If you fix something, he's going to be like on your wing right there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm fixing it. He's right there. And I go, oh, I can't get it. And as I said it just out loud, he pops up a little bit closer and goes, I got it. And so he takes it, shoves it in with his little finger, screws it, and goes, touch it. And all of a sudden, guys, I touch it, tick tick, 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 it works, it's good. And I said out loud, I am such an idiot. And I said it, like being funny. The eight-year-old taps me on the knee, and here's what he says, folks. It's okay, Dad. You're good at other things. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, like this is a dude who who knew that I could laugh at that. You know, who knew dad's not going to backhand him. Yeah. It's not, and so I think that, that gets passed on, you know, uh, that you mm-hmm. see that. My last thing, Coach, is this. It is my ultimate currency of value. Loyalty. When a man says I do, that needs to be a loyalty that is real, authentic, tangible and everyone hears him say I do and it resounds with them he did you know what I mean like it's that moment of that uh it's that moment when it comes to your friends when when it comes to people when I say coach you are my brother you are my friend you don't have to worry that you're going to go out of the studio go across the office and they're going to say Taft said such and such about you it's just not my game like I, I I want loyalty uh, to be something that matters. I want my kids to know it. And recently, my daughter said this. She was in a, a conversation with somebody, and they said something, and they said, "Marley, would you ever have done?" She goes, "No, no, no." She goes, "I'm Taft Air's daughter," and she said that, and went, "Oh no, oh no." She goes, "I'm Taft Air's daughter. I'm, I'm nothing if I'm not loyal." And I was like, yes, yes, you know, uh am I perfect? Absolutely not, coach. But as a man, I wanted my daughter and my sons to know that loyalty matters, and loyalty, just like being a man, they go hand in hand, I think. But it's also something that's lost. Because we're part yeah. of a culture that just talks and rambles. There,
3: there are there are two ways. There are two ways to mess up a relationship with me. mm you know, mm. do, you know whether it's friendship or whatever, there's two right. ways to do it that, that almost guarantee that you're going to really mess it sure. up. Number one is lie to me. Yes. Go back to your integrity. Yes. Thing. Yes. Don't lie to me. Number two, betray me.
1: Mm. hmm. hmm.
3: I can put up with a whole bunch of mistakes and stuff as long as I know you're honest with me and you're loyal. Right. Right. The rest of that I can work through. Yeah. But when I can't trust you, and I don't know if you're going to be there when I need you or let me be there when
2: you need me. Right. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we hope today that you have been encouraged. Uh, I hope that you've been edified. If edified is too religious of a word for you, it means to build up. And I hope that you have been built up by hearing this today. Do not. Do not apologize for being a man. And women, do not apologize for saying, I want a man. We hope that you have been encouraged today, and we hope that you can thank the creator above for making you how you are. We're glad that you joined us for another episode of Circle Unbroken. Man up. I was standing by my
1: window. On one cold and cloudy day When I saw